Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Holy Spirit moves Paul to argue in so many directions, so many different angles as far as um, when, when God asks you to do something or God puts out truth or somebody's mixed up in truth, here comes Paul and he tries to help straighten folks out. And he takes different angles of argumentation. We saw that when we went through the book of Galatians. We see that in chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians. And in verse number 14, he says he makes a nature argument and appeal to nature. And he says, doth not even nature itself teach you. So apparently you can learn some things from nature. Now, this isn't mother nature. You're not learning from father sky. You're not. That's not what he's talking about. Um, but the, the lesson here is that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him. What's the it? That's the long hair. And we went through and we were going over head covering lessons, trying to get people to understand that the hair is enough. And the hair is the defined the covering or the defined uncovering. Uh, ladies, if you don't have, if you come to church and you don't have an additional covering on top of your head, you're not out of the will of God. And we went through many lessons on that. If a woman decides to come to church with a bonnet or a hat or a scarf, there there's no, you're welcome. There's there's no law or rule for or against that but we're not going to bind that to women and say hey you've got to add something additional on your head and went through many lessons on why it is just it is just hair but in the 14th verse there's a natural order of man and it's not animal nature we don't say well we look at a, a male lion versus a, a female lion or no god's talking about this this human nature that there's something that's shameful about a man having long hair if you go into battle you don't want your hair caught in something if you're trying to you know work out in the yard with a chainsaw i mean good night comes down and catches your hair i mean there's something that no matter how many ways you try to talk about it, it doesn't seem it doesn't seem natural. Now, let me back up and, and, and bring and draw the lens back and point out the most important context of the passage is headship, not hair. Jesus Christ is the head and he lays out authoritative order. We went through many lessons on that. But nature teaches us. It's very simple to look at a man and a woman and be able to determine what, who is the man and who is the woman. It used to be pretty simple. I have to be careful while I say that now because you don't know. I was in one of the stores uh, the other week and I got to the, to the uh, register, to the service, the customer service desk. And I honestly didn't know whether to say thank you, ma'am, or thank you. I did not know. We're at a spot where it is absolutely terrifyingly confusing. That's where we're at. But it used to be you can look and see, okay, that's a man and that's a woman based on what they wore. If I were to come up and preach 
or if I were to come into the church house and I was wearing a dress or a blouse and I said to you, well, what does it matter? It's not a woman's dress. It's a man's blouse. You would say to me, are you kidding me? There's just something in nature that would just point that out to you. Well, is that the most important thing? Of course, it's not the most important thing. But there's distinction. If I look at a man, I should know he's a man by his haircut. If I look at a woman, I should know she's a woman by her haircut. God doesn't give measure. Uh, God doesn't give inches and millimeters and units of length. He simply says long versed short. And he says it's a shame for a man to have long hair. Meaning there's an inborn sense in you that should tell you that principle. You don't need a direct revelation from God. Matter of fact, people that were lost 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago, the culture knew just naturally there was still a fear of God left. Now it's all about withered away. But that's about gone. You don't need a direct revelation from God. Now, Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go when he's old, will not depart from it. People say, oh, well, isn't that cute? Little boy's got long hair. It's not cute. It's a shame. The Bible says it's a shame. Now, my personal story, we had somebody come here. I probably told you this story before. And he, you know, he had long hair. And he said, uh, hey, can I come? I, I've got long hair. I said, sure you can. Sure you can. And I gave him a little bit of my testimony, which I'm going to give to you now. I had the longest hair in my class. A matter of fact, my yearbook, my high school yearbook in 1991, I won the big hair award <laughs> because I had long hair all the way down to the middle of my back. And you know where I got that from? What do you think? I was a freshman in high school. And I was reading cover to cover from the Bible and I was just so convicted. No, I wasn't reading the Bible. I just knew that the music that I was listening to, all those guys, I mean, this is, look, I grew up in the, in, the, in the 70s and 80s. You know what that was about? Rock and roll and heavy metal and all that. We, we were metalheads. We, we were the clique in high school that didn't get along with the jocks. We didn't get along with the, with the straight A students. We didn't get along with the chess club. We were just our own little fringe group that everybody was afraid of. <laughs> And there was really no reason to be afraid of us. I mean, we just we just look weird. But you know why I grew my hair long? I just wanted to rebel against authority. Now, that's my personal testimony. I'm not saying that every man that grows his hair long is in rebellion against authority. A matter of fact, I have uh, an acquaintance that is uh, Native uh, uh, Indian. And that's a cultural thing. He's saved. He witnesses the people. He loves the Lord. He's faithful to church. He's not in rebellion against like I was. Just his culture. That's what he grew up with. So we need to be, I say that to say, we need to be careful that we don't take a passage of scripture and then use it to just beat people over the head with it. At the same time, you have to admit, there are some verses in the Bible where you don't need a lot of theological training. You just need some guts to get up here and talk about it. 
And at the end of the day, it really isn't that big of a deal. There's so many more uh, bigger issues to talk about. And you know what we do here? Most of the time we talk about those issues. But when we come to a passage like this, we regard it. We don't disregard it. We, we teach on it. We preach on it. We don't hobby horse it every Sunday. And we sure don't stand at the door with a, with a tape stick, uh, a, a, a measuring stick, trying to figure out who's in the kingdom and who's in the world. <laughs> Who does that? I heard some preacher, uh, you got to be careful of the preaching you listen to, but I heard I heard some guy, he's going off, if, you know, he's got a bunch of preacher boys, and they're trying to be big shots, and he's up here, he, he's up here, and he's railing on the board. I guess one of them didn't have a white shirt on. And he said, bless God, I'll wear a white shirt because I'm called to preach. Now, can you find that anywhere in the Bible? You can't find that anywhere in the Bible. So we take these lesser things, and we even take things that aren't even in the Bible, and we use them to magnify ourselves. And you know who gets glory? Not God. God's people aren't edified. The only one that gets glory is the preacher and the glory is vain. <laughs> Meaning it's meaningless. It's worthless. It's worth. So. I had long hair. Matter of fact, my family has a picture of me. It's a famous picture in my family. And it's me. And I had this T-shirt on. I'm a teenager and I have this T-shirt on and it says, how can I control my life? When I can't control, when I can't even control my hair, <laughs> it was all down, man. And it was so wolfed out. I told you I won the big hair award. My nickname was Wolfie because my hair was so wolfed out. They, they all called me Wolfie. Now, I didn't tell my wife this before we had gotten married, but she found out about it. Uh, like most wives do after a series of time, you, your family reveals who you really are. <laughs> So look, long long hair on a man doesn't 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 um, keep him from getting saved. It doesn't mean you lose your salvation. None of that. All that's heresy. All God is simply saying is, it's a shame for a man to have long hair. Leviticus uh, chapter nineteen, the Bible says, "You shall not round the corners of your heads, neither shalt thou mare the corners of thy beard." believe the principle God's trying to make out here is God doesn't want men to decorate themselves. He wants you to be content. Um, be content with the way God made you, with the way God decorated you. Men, be men. Be men. Now, what about, what about, every time this subject comes up, what about the Nazarite vow? So let's go to number six and talk about that Nazarite vow. Numbers, the sixth chapter. Numbers chapter number six. The Nazarite vow was for you to look different and in looking different, you would honor God. The nation was called out by God to do things differently so they would be set apart from God. 
none of that none of that earned them eternal life but it was a way for them to worship god showing that they were different and so this nazarite vow watch what it says in numbers chapter number six and the lord spake unto moses saying speak unto the children of israel and say unto them when either man or woman shall separate themselves to vow a vow of a Nazarite. So it was for men and women. What was the purpose? To separate themselves unto the Lord. It was a separation to the Lord for them to worship and obey the Lord. And here's the vow. He shall separate himself from wine and strong drink and shall drink no vinegar of wine or vinegar of strong drink, neither shall he drink any liquor of grapes, nor eat moist grapes or dry. Now, what I find ironic about this verse in light of what we're speaking about, uh, a lot of this contemporary Christian music scene um, is men with long hair. Men that say, well, Jesus had long hair. We're going to be like Jesus. Matter of fact, that was the argument that I used when I was growing up. My parents put me in Catholic school from first through uh, all the way up to the eighth grade. And uh, now I, I had I would I wanted to be a rebel. So I was growing my hair long and you could not. In, in, in Roman Catholic school, you could not have your hair touch your collar. It couldn't come down and curl up. It could not. You had to have that thing high and tight, man. It was like military. Except I was growing mine long. <laughs> And the, and, the, and the teacher said, uh, you're going to have to cut your hair. And I did what I shouldn't have done. And if you're a young person listening, this is called the warning from the preacher. Don't do what the preacher did when he was a boy. But I did what I wasn't supposed to do, which is what I, I say to the teacher. Well, Jesus had long hair and I want to be like Jesus. <laughs> Wrong answer. Down to the principal's office. Now, I'm standing out in the hallway. The principal made me stand out in the hallway because I was wearing her out. And the kids are changing classes and I'm embarrassed. I go home and because I told the principal, I said, I'm not going to cut my hair. She said, well, you're going to be expelled from school. So I had to go stand out in the hallway until my parents came, got me. My parents came and got me. And see, my uncle was a barber. He still is a barber. My uncle, Nicky. And, uh, my parents drugged me over to Uncle Nicky and he chopped my hair off, gave me a haircut so I could go back to school after my expulsion was over. You know why I told you that story? All of it was a heart of rebellion. All of it. Every single ounce of it. If authority says this, well, I was going to do this. And that's just not the way God wants us to live. So a lot of this contemporary music scene has men, they grow the hair long. They say, well, Jesus had long hair. They use the same argument I did. Except if you want to take this vow, you know what else it says? You can't be around liquor at all. You know what permeates that whole contemporary crowd? Well, you can drink in moderation. Jesus drank wine. Jesus had long hair. Jesus had, it's always Jesus did all the things that I want to justify that I'm doing. So this Nazarite vow, you see, they couldn't be around any type of strong drink. 
Um, and look at the end of verse three, any liquor or grapes, nor eat moist grapes or dried. The whole light. OK, does first Corinthians eleven fourteen say it's a shame for a man to have long hair? This Nazarite vow, we go to use that to try to use that as an excuse for men to grow long hair. The whole idea of the vow was a shaming. It was a humiliating thing. In other words, don't eat grapes. Don't even eat raisins. Don't even eat dry grapes. What do you use grapes to make? Wine and strong drink. Well, what's wrong with eating grapes? Nothing. But God says you're going to be so humiliated. You're going to be so shamed. Do you know how abundance it was for vineyards and grapes? And now you're going to have somebody over and they're going to say, oh, yeah, let's have some grape juice. Let's go out and pick some grapes. Nope, can't. What's wrong with you, buddy? I'm a Nazarite. Vowed unto the Lord. Well, that's weird. It would be real hard for you to fit in socially if you lived like that. So that's what this vow was about. You're going to be so different that everybody is going to know that guy separated unto the Lord with that vow. All the days of his separation shall he eat nothing that is made of the vine tree from the kernels, even to the husk. All the days of the vow of his separation, here it is. There shall no razor come upon his head until the days be fulfilled. In the which he separated himself unto the Lord, he shall be holy and shall let the locks of his hair of his head grow all the days that he separated himself unto the Lord. He shall come at no dead body, which was the third part of the vow. He couldn't be around anything dead. No liquor. Nothing that you use to make liquor. Grapes. And. Don't touch your head. Don't touch your hair in your head. That was the vow. That was the vow that was made. Here's what I believe the training principle is. If you could withstand the humiliation, if you can withstand the mocking of this vow from society, you can stand in your own two feet before a wicked world. What's the application for us as Christians? Now, we're not going to take a Nazarite vow. But you know what the New Testament cross-reference is, or at least should be for us? Romans 12. My body is what? Your body is what? Living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is what? It's reasonable. If you and I can't withstand somebody calling us a name, making fun of us at the lunch break when we talk about the Lord, mocking you because you don't tell the dirty jokes and you don't laugh at the dirty jokes that are told at the workplace or at school or wherever it is, if you can't withstand that, you're ashamed. Christians tend to so much try to find a way to kind of reason with the world or be sympathetic to the world. We shouldn't be. <laughs> vow your vow. Commit your life to the Lord. Live for him. It's reasonable for God to ask you to do that after all that he did. 
Don't worry about what somebody says to you. Don't worry about the shaming or the humiliation. Don't worry about when somebody says, well, what's wrong with that? Nothing. I just love the Lord. And if it has an appearance of evil, I'm just going to stay away. Well, the Bible doesn't say, I know the Bible doesn't say, but I think nature's kind of telling me. <laughs> People always try to find a way to talk the Christian out of doing right and get them to get closer to doing, to doing wrong. So that's the, that's the vow. They were trained to live as an outcast. Be different so you can stand different. Missionaries, the heroes of the faith in the Bible, Paul. Why don't we train our kids to look up to them? Why is it always the next Marvel comic book that's going to come out or the next superhero that's going to come out or the next Disney character that's going to come out or the next TV show or episode that the child's going to fall in love with? Why can't we take a vow and say, you know what? I'm going to live a wholly acceptable life unto God. And I am okay with being different. I am okay with not knowing what everybody else knows. That's the vow. Judges chapter 16. Let's get Judges 16. We'll look at, we'll look at Samson. Joshua. And then Judges, and we'll get the 16th chapter. Judges chapter number 16. He was the last judge raised in the Nazarite vow. Verse number 15. And she said unto him, How canst thou say I love thee when thine heart is not with me? Thou hast mocked me these three times and hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words, she urged him. So his soul was vexed unto death. Now, this is Samson and Delilah. Delilah, all of these pictures and all of these movies and all of these uh, paintings of Samson as some muscle guy. If a woman was looking at a man that was jacked up, she would pretty much figure out where he got his strength. Delilah can't figure out where in the world Samson gets his strength. We know where he got his strength. From the Lord. Where are we getting our strength? Should be getting it from the Lord. Come on, Samson, where are you getting your strength? She finally tells him. Don't cut off my locks. There's so much in Samson that we can preach on that we'll never, but we'll never, when we go through this verse by verse, we'll open this thing up. But it's so chock full of practical application. One is, fellas, if a girl wants to tie you up in something, the first date, you in trouble. She wants to tie you up with taking a drink. She wants to tie you up with smoking a cigarette. She wants to tie you up with uh, hugging and kissing, kissing and smooching and sneaking around and she wants to get you tied up in that on the first date. You got yourself. You're, you're in a pickle is what they say down south. You just put yourself in a real pickle. Once you get one bind, you can break it. You get two, three, four, five. You're done. Makes it extremely hard to get out of that sin. 
But Samson was separated under the Lord. The Philistines aren't living for God. The Israelites aren't living for God. But Samson says, hey, I'm going to live for God. Ironically, you know where Samson found his girlfriend in the vineyard? If he was a Nazarite, where should he have not been? Not if he's keeping his vow. Eat nothing that is made of the vine tree. Look at Judges chapter 14. Look at Judges chapter 14. Verse number 8. Judges 14, verse number 8. And after a time, he returned to take her. This is Samson. Uh, verse 7, he went down, he talked to the woman, and she pleased Samson well. And after a time, he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. That would be, my friends, a dead lion. That's the second part of the vow that he broke. And behold, there was a swarm of bees and hung in the carcass of the lion. And he took thereof in his hands and went on eating and gave them to his father and mother. And he gave them and they did eat. But he told them, but he told not them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. It goes on. So he did what God told him not to do. And he's making it. Well, it's kind of OK. It ain't OK. When God tells you and I not to do something. Don't do it. Don't do it. He shall come at no dead body. Well, he did. Judges chapter 17. He should have been separated under the Lord. Never, gentlemen, never. We say it again. Never hook up with a girl who isn't separated under the Lord. You hear that, young people? Never hook up with a girl who isn't separated under the Lord because she's going to disseparate you from the Lord. Ladies, never hook up, never encourage any young lady to hook up with a boy who isn't saved and don't want to at least do something for God. And people say, well, that's not how I got married. Look, that's not how we got, that's not how me and my wife got married either. And praise the God, praise God that he saved us. We're not going to recommend you do what we did. And if you're in that situation, you look in hindsight and you say, look, that yeah, that is what I did, but don't do what I did. He broke every part of the vow that he could. Because he saw something. Delilah is trying to figure it out. No razor come upon his head, shall the locks of the hair of his head grow. Delilah figured it out. Look at verse 21 in Judges 16. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass. And he did grind in the prison house. He saw her, and he ends up without any eyes. Your eyes are going to cause you to sin. That's why Jesus says you're better off plucking it out. If you're looking at something dirty, pluck your eye. Are you telling me to take my finger and put my finger in my eye or take a 
go in and get a screwdriver and put it in my face and bring my eye out. No, I'm telling you to pluck your eye out, meaning take the computer and throw it out. You drive down a certain road and there's always that billboard to get you and then that billboard gets you to do something else later. Pluck your eye out. Well, what do you mean? Don't drive down that road. <laughs> okay. Jesus isn't saying take a screwdriver and put it in your face and take your eye out. He's saying you're better off blind. And if that means walking around with a patch on your eye or if that means you do what you got to do to not end up having your eyes destroy your whole body. Samson ends up with his eyes out. Bad news, bad news. So that's the Nazarite vow. There was three parts to it. Samson was Nazarite. He broke every part of the vow. Um, we'll answer this question, then we'll be done. How about Jesus? Wasn't Jesus a Nazarite? No, Jesus was not a Nazarite. Jesus was a Nazarene because he was from Nazareth. But he wasn't a Nazarite. It's important to say that. Uh, look at Luke 22. Look at Luke 22. How do we know Jesus wasn't a Nazareth? Luke chapter 22. Get your spot there. Luke chapter 22. And verse number 14. Luke 22 verse 14. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said to them, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come did jesus ever sin no did jesus ever break any part of the law no you know what the nazarite vow was you couldn't even be around the fruit of the vine jesus couldn't have been a nazarite or he would have been violating that nazarite vow in luke 22 being around the fruit of the vine he wasn't a nazarite he was a nazarene and there is a there is a difference Look at verse 19, and he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. He's drinking of the fruit of the vine. He wasn't a Nazarite. Luke 7. Luke 7, verse number 19. Or verse number 12. At least that's what I have written down. Let's see if that's right. Luke 7, verse number 12. Verse 11. And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and much people. This is Jesus. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold... There was a dead man carried out. The only son of his mother and she and she was a widow and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, weep not. And he came and touched the buyer and they that bear him stood still. And he said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. And he.
that was dead, shut up and began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. What was the other part of the Nazarite vow? You couldn't come around at any dead, no dead body. What's Jesus doing? Pretty obvious. He just raised somebody from the dead. Same thing with Jairus' daughter and the many other miracles that aren't written, that I'm sure. Jesus wasn't a Nazarite. He was around dead people, dead bodies, and he was around the fruit of the vine. He wasn't a Nazarite. He was a Nazarene. Uh, go back to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel. Verse number 14. Second Samuel chapter number 14 Verse number 25 But in all Israel There was none to be So much praised As Absalom for his beauty From the sole of his foot Even to the crown of his head There was no blemish in him When he pulled his head For it was at every year's end That he pulled it Because the hair was heavy On him That's Absalom He had a full heavy head of hair Therefore, he pulled it. He weighed the hair of his head at 200 shekels after the king's weight. What killed Absalom? Ultimately, what killed him? His pride. The pride of his beauty. The pride of his full head of hair. And he's hanging from a tree. We need to be careful. We need to be careful. Our pride doesn't get us second samuel chapter 18 let's go over to there second samuel chapter 18 verse number nine and absalom second samuel 18 9 met the servants of david and absalom rolled upon a mule and the mule went under the thick boughs of a great oak and his head caught hold of the oak and he was taken up between the heaven and the earth and the mule that was under him one away, and a certain man saw it. Joab and said, Behold, I saw Absalom hanged in an oak tree. And Joab said unto the man that told him, and Behold, thou sawest him. And why didst thou not spite him there to the ground? And I would have given thee ten shekels of silver and a girdle. And the man said unto Joab, Though I should receive a thousand shekels of silver in mine hand, Yet would I not put forth mine hand against the king's son. For in our hearing the king charged thee and Abishai and Atti, saying, Beware that none touch the young man Absalom. Otherwise I should have wrought falsehood against mine own life. There is no matter hid from the king, and thou wouldst have set thyself against me. Here it is. Last verse. Then said Joab, I may not tarry thus with thee. And he took three darts in his hand and thrust them through the heart of Absalom. While he was yet alive in the midst of the oak tree. His own pride. He was hanging by his hair. His head and his hair caught in that oak. Don't let your pride get you. It may not be long hair. You might have some other pride in your life. That's going to end up killing you. The Nazarite vow was a shaming vow in many ways. 
The Bible is simply saying in 1 Corinthians 11 that it's a shame for a man to have long hair. The most important thing I'd like to close with this lesson is there is someone who became a shame for us. That was Jesus Christ. There is somebody who hung on a tree for us, Jesus Christ. There was someone who had a spear thrown in his side when he was hanging on that tree for us. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And getting the right haircut ain't going to save you. Dressing right ain't going to save you. Only Jesus Christ hanging on a cross, paying for your sin, can save you. One of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side. And forthwith came there out blood and water. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. It's a shame being hung on a cross, but there was joy that was accomplished. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. If you have not trusted Jesus Christ and his cross work of hanging and dying on the cross of Calvary, you are as lost as the worst criminal you know on this earth. And if you were to die tonight, God would be holy and righteous and just to cast you into hell forever. Don't allow the pride of your good works. Don't allow the pride of whatever it is that you think will merit you favor with God. To end up being the thing that hangs you forever. Please come to Christ if you haven't already. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.